When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. It's Room 104. It's Cormac and Sir here. Uh, send us in a WhatsApp if you're listening and tell us the stupidest thing you might have done when you were uh, a, a teenager. Because we've all, that's the time when you do dumb stuff and get yourself in a little bit of trouble. You know, what's that saying? You can't be old and wise if you weren't ever young and stupid. <laughs> so drop us in a WhatsApp and let us know. 0876797104. Because joining us on the line now is a gentleman who now works as a fraud consultant. One of his jobs helping people and companies prevent themselves from being scammed. If you've ever been scammed, you'll know how annoying and frustrating that is. But, uh, in his early years, in his teenage years, he was involved with uh, frauds that had mounted into the millions. He's uh, from Scotland. He joins us now on the line. Elia Castro, sir, how are you? How are you doing, Cormac? I'm not bad, thanks. Thanks a million for uh, joining us here on the show this evening. Um, you have a fascinatingly interesting life that has gone from, I suppose you're working on nearly both sides of the law, but can you tell us your story when it comes to, to, to fraud as a youngster? How did, how did this all start and where did it lead to? Well, it started when I was about 15 years old. Uh, I was a daft kid and uh, I found a credit card on a train one day and instead of just handing it in, I thought I'd try and use it myself to buy my train ticket to school so that I could buy sweets and stuff with the money I'd been given to, to do that from my parents, you know. Now, I'm not very smart. Uh, I don't think I'd be able to, to do the kind of stuff that you were able to do. But obviously this continued on into your later years. Yes, escalated very much from about... I was about 15 to 21, roughly. Um, I'm 37 now, so long time's passed since then. But obviously that time, yeah, everything did escalate very quickly, actually, from, you know, buying silly little things like sweets and CDs and haircuts and things to, you know, travelling all around the world first class and things. So it definitely did get a bit of, out of hand. I don't think anyone can deny that. With that first credit card that you found, like, how much before that was stopped or did anything come of that? Did like, the owner of that card ever kind of cancel the card and figure out it was you who was getting away with everything? Yeah, so uh, that was the first time I did it and it was also the first time I got caught. So um, basically what had happened was I bought the, the ticket. It was a weekly ticket. So you had a photo card with your name and stuff on it. And obviously my name didn't match the name on the card. And I didn't think that anything had been discovered, but the train inspector just walked away and didn't see anything. And then about maybe four or five stops later on the train, the police came on and took me off and took me back to school. And uh, the headmistress wasn't very happy, I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> and then what happened then later on, scamming people out of millions? Well, what, what basically happened was I developed a, a strategy for what I would do is I would contact people um, that were staying in 
in hotels and things and I would get them to give me their personal details by pretending to be from the hotel reception desk. So that came about, you know, a good a good while later and what basically happened was I would get these details and contact the bank and then the bank would send me credit card with my name on it as an additional card holder on that person's account and over time it became more about sort of corporate credit cards and things like that rather than personal cards just because the limits were higher and the spending ability was much higher on those cards. And did you just get accustomed to that lifestyle where you were just spending stupid money on watches and first class and so on? (laughs) I mean obviously to say I got accustomed to it I mean I don't know if that's I don't know if that's if that's really how how it transpired because yes it was a you know a fantasy lifestyle and everything about my life at that time was was fake you know so it wasn't really it wasn't really me but it was at the time it was the only it was the only thing that I knew how to do to make money so I know that sounds ridiculous but at the time you know as I say I was a teenager and it was a, a you know bit of a bit of a stupid mistake but basically uh, it went on for quite a long time so you know. I knew what I was doing, I knew it was wrong, but in my mind I didn't think anyone was suffering from it because, you know, my my feeling on it was, my understanding at the time was that people's banks would refund the money and I guess in most cases that's exactly what happened but obviously it doesn't account for the, the stress that people went through when they maybe discovered that the cards had been used and things, you know so obviously, you know, as, a, as an adult now I can kind of see that but at the time I just kind of put it to the back of my mind Where did you get the idea? Because part of me is you know, impressed that you came up with that idea to, you know, contact people and hotels and stuff like what, what gave you that idea so i mean bear in mind the age i was at the time so you know i had a lot of money but no friends <laughs> so that was that was kind of the catalyst for this was that i believed that having lots of money would bring me friends and bring me um all the things that i was missing in my life and uh, that's, a, that's a bad mindset to get into because you know it doesn't work like that life doesn't work like that you know so i mean where it all obviously went crazy for me was just that i realized that this was a fantasy lifestyle and I knew that I knew that at the time but it was you know it, at times it did make me feel good so I don't really know if that answers your question <laughs> What was would you say then the most ridiculous slash stupidest thing that you bought when you were doing this? Well I think that would have to be the car because I, I, at one point I bought a, a BMW 7 Series car but I had no driving licence and I couldn't drive and this is all just about sort of you know, this image that I had to people that knew me as this sort of, you know, rich playboy sort of thing. So I had no real reason to go and buy this car that I knew I'd never be able to drive. So, and what did your family uh, and friends think you were doing? So my family, well, they, they didn't really know what was going on, to be honest with you. But people that knew me, I had a various different sort of um, excuses that I used for my lifestyle, one of which was I used to tell people that I worked as a hotel consultant because I was staying in a lot of hotels at that time. So kind of made sense like you know sometimes if I would go to a certain city and I would meet people that I'd met the last time I was there but I'd be staying in a completely different hotel sometimes for weeks on end so I would just say that you know I worked in hotel management consultancy and that was basically the, the excuse that I gave for that the other one that I used sometimes was I would tell people that I worked for the Ministry of Defence and just left it at that sort of you know giving over the image that I was working for MI6 or something stupid like that so I mean it's it's ridiculous on the face of it but to me at the time it just I don't know. It worked. Is James, like a James Bond character? Was is James Bond historically Scottish? Is that am I getting confused? Was that a character <laughs> based in Scotland? <laughs> I think I think that is actually correct. Yeah, I believe in the original. When he was he was Scottish, yeah. Or he had Scottish right. ancestry or something 
like that. But who yeah. knows? Maybe I am. Maybe I am the way. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> After all this, you turn around. My God, you're you're a descendant of uh, James Bond, and hence why you went and doing all this. But obviously. <laughs> I said you never going to jail though. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. You're missing a few of the gadgets to break yourself out of jail, unfortunately. Um, but so there was there was Rolexes, there was first class trips around the world, there was you know BMWs, there was the whole lot, and it was jumping from hotel to hotel to hotel on credit card scams. Totaling, how much uh, do you think over the several years that you were doing this that you racked up in kind of credit card? And so I'm often misquoted with this one, so I have to right. be careful how I say this, because obviously at the time, as I'm sure you can understand, I certainly wasn't keeping tally of how much had been spent. The only estimate that I have, and this was brought up by police and prosecutors many years ago, was that they estimated that it was somewhere in the region of two and a half million pounds. I was never ever charged with that much, but that was what they thought and, you know, given what evidence they had, yeah. some of which could be proved and some of which couldn't be proved, that that's what that's what their estimate was. So, you know, I have to go with that, but it seems a lot to me. But then if you consider the sort of lifestyle I was leading at the time, it was, you know, it's very much possible. And were you in denial the whole time? Like, did you realise that you were going to get caught? I tried not to think about that, if I'm totally honest with you, you know, at the time. I mean, truth be known, when it, when it did all come crashing down, I think deep inside I wanted it to end because it got to the point where I was becoming quite close to some people who I would say, you know, were, were becoming good friends. But in all, to all intents and purposes, we were good friends, but they really had no idea who I, who I actually was. So that was quite painful because, you know, you want to be honest with people and you can't, you can't tell people what you're doing when you're doing that sort of thing. It's not an accepted profession. So it was a lot of fun at times, don't get me wrong, never denied that, but it was also very lonely at times as well. When and how did it all come crashing down then? I lived in Belfast for a while towards the end of all this, so this would have been around about 2003, uh, end of 2003, and I took a friend of mine away to, we were supposed to be going to Amsterdam, but something went wrong with the flights, and uh, it had been discovered that the flight was bought fraudulently, so we had to, well I had to change the flight and we had to go somewhere else, so we ended up heading to Edinburgh instead, and in Edinburgh. I went to Harvey Nichols, gift vouchers, about £2,000 I think it was. Passed over a card and, uh, you know, the woman behind the desk said, well, have you got any other ID? You know, fair question, it's a lot of money. And I just, I said, no, it's fine. I said, just uh, just phone the card company, they'll, they'll clarify everything. And obviously I knew all the security questions and everything, so I wasn't worried about that. So she did call and uh, everything was verified and I got given the vouchers. But uh, when I went back to the shop with my friend about half an hour to an hour later. What had happened in the meantime was that she had guessed that something was up and called the card company back and told them, listen, I know this went through, but I think something's wrong with it. They then contacted the real card holder, who obviously told them he hadn't just bought all these vouchers. And uh, the police arrived. I was in the toilet at the time. So when I came out of the toilet, the police were standing right there. And that was it. That was, <laughs> that was the beginning of the end. And did you confess everything? Did I confess everything? Um... <laughs> Obviously, I'd rather not answer that question, but I think you take from my answer. No, I mean, you know, I got caught buying to rights for a lot of what I did. So, so no, um, you know, I didn't confess absolutely everything. But uh, to be honest with you, I would have had great difficulty because there were so many individual transaction cards and things that had been involved over the previous five years that I probably wouldn't even remembered half of it if I'd wanted to. Yeah. So, you know, did I get sentenced for everything? No, absolutely not. But uh, it was enough to make me change my ways. How, how long did you get? So... I served a few different sentences at different points in my sort of, well, fraud career, if you want to call it that. But the last time was uh, two years was the sentence I got. That was the longest sentence I'd had. And how old were you when you went to prison for those two years? Uh, 20. Wow. 20. 
Um, yeah. And then was it during those two years in prison where you kind of <laughs> said, uh, like, okay, let's, let's cop on now? So basically what happened at the time, I was not prepared to let anyone else tell me what to do. I was just a really arrogant kid and... Uh, yeah. I had to make this decision for myself. So what happened was, when I was in prison, I was um, watching people in the time I was in prison, sort of older fellas who were coming in and going out, coming in and back out again, sort of thing. And I just realised that that's not what I wanted for my life. You know, I was still young enough, but confident enough to know that, you know, I could do something better with myself if, if I just applied some of my skills to something that was more legitimate. So I also had very good fortune that a journalist wrote to me when I was in prison and asked me if I would be interested in writing a book. So we did that as well. Um, and that kind of gave me something to put my mind to. And when I came out of prison, I took me a long time to make things right with myself in my own head, you know, about all the stuff that I'd done. But uh, I think finally, you know, I managed to get there in the end. And uh, yeah, so I'm quite quite happy with my life now. It could have been so much worse if I hadn't made some you know important decisions that I made at that time. So I have to be grateful for the fact that I made my mistakes early in my life. And uh, you know, I'm not, I don't have to worry about all the stuff I did when I was a teenager for the rest of my life, sort of thing. Well, in a strange way, you're actually helping other businesses now from your yeah. mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you know, I'm very fortunate. To come out the other side of this because a lot of people who commit crimes never get that opportunity unfortunately um, you know you hear stories all the time about people who committed crimes when they were very young and uh, they have trouble getting a job have trouble succeeding in life because of the mistakes that they made when they were young you know I, I like to hope hope to think that we live in a forgiving society where people can make mistakes and, and be forgiven you know um, so what I do now is I have a you know, reasonably successful consultancy business where I help businesses um, try and alleviate fraud in terms of, you know, closing loopholes and helping clients understand what methodology fraudsters use to try and commit these crimes in the first place. Um, that all came about, you know, quite by accident. It wasn't something I was looking for, but uh, companies started approaching me off the back of reading my book or seeing me on TV or whatever it was. So, you know, I had to obviously take that opportunity. And I know some people might say, well, you know, does that not mean that time pays? And, you know, I have to say, well, no, I don't think it does because, yes, I did all these things and, uh, you know, I served my time and uh, it's definitely affected my life in a, in a huge way. But I think that now what I'm doing is far more, you know, in, in line with sort of, you know, making up for what you did sort of thing. So, you know, I have to I have to live with that. There's always going to be people who say, oh, you know, he should never be allowed to succeed in his life because of what he did when he was a teenager. And I'm sorry, but I just can't agree with that. We all make mistakes. Mine were huge, admittedly. But we all make mistakes and we're all allowed a second chance. So, you know, I'm grateful for those opportunities that have, that have come my way. Yeah, I mean, you're allowed a second chance unless you're listening to people on Twitter who just want to cancel everything left, right and centre. So I'm, I'm, glad you've, uh, I'm glad you've said I'm glad you said that. And I suppose glad you've gotten the other chance and the opportunity to, to redeem yourself. As you, as you mentioned, a ton of other people are kind of might be scared for life and poisoned for life and mightn't be able to uh, get legitimate work and legitimate jobs. So, um, yeah. listen, thanks a million for, for popping on. It's a fascinating story. The name of your book, by the way, is it still available either on, online or as a Kindle? Or Yeah, so the book's, book's still available online. Uh, you can, uh, I think you can buy it and uh, you can also download it for Kindle and find the book's called Other People's Money um, by Elliot Castro with Neil Forsyth. So if any of your listeners want to have a look at it. Um, I'm also on Instagram as well, so if any of your followers, uh, if any of your listeners want to give us a follow on, on Instagram, then shoot ahead. <laughs> it's, it, it, what's the username at the handle on uh, Instagram? It's, it's Elliot Castro with four O's. 
nice. It was the best I could do. Someone else had already taken that name, so well listen Elliot that's a fascinating story we appreciate you giving up your time here this evening obviously fair play for you know being one of the few who could and who did turn it around and make those uh, choices kind appreciate of, that so, redeem it and, and help people now when you can and I said always get your mistakes out earlier rather than later but listen Absolutely. it's been a pleasure and um, thanks for coming on F104 this evening and we'll chat you again soon thanks for so much for having me on thank you Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.